we've got to get out of this tower. We've got to engage with the communities of Southeast Michigan, the communities of shared heritage, the educational communities, the nonprofit community, the business community. And that meant get out of the tower. Welcome to Arts Engines. I am your host, Aaron Dworkin, and with us as today's guest is Ken Fisher, who teaches at the University of Michigan and is also the President Emeritus of the University Musical Society, in addition to a host of other things he has done over an illustrious career. Welcome, Ken, to the show. Yeah, it's great to be here, Aaron. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, well, it's just wonderful. And, um, and people will, I, I always tell our viewers, check out people's bios. You know, they can read all of that. We kind of don't want to be a show about bios, but um, it is very unique and special for me to have the opportunity to interview you um, because you are truly one of the biggest mentors in my entire life. You have had so much impact uh, on my uh, professional work, personal life in so many ways. And so first, I just want to say by thanking you here on the show, uh, in addition to I know I've been able to thank you personally. Um, and, and with that, I thought that would lead to a great first question, um, which is that, you know, back when I was uh, an undergraduate uh, at the University of Michigan, uh, you were able to be a, a mentor and uh, give me feedback in a host of ways. And so what I'm wondering is, you didn't know me from Adam at the time. I was just one of a bazillion undergraduate students that I'm sure you encountered in your role when, when you were uh, a leading UMS. Uh, why is mentorship so important to you? Uh, and why would you give of you know, incredible amount of valuable time and, and effort to just uh, you know, an undergraduate student at the time. Why, why is it so important to you? Well, I think it begins with the fact that I had some, such wonderful mentors myself, and one can't uh, live through life without thinking of all the gratitude for those people that had helped me along the way. And so it, I guess it was about 25 years ago, this young man came to see me at Burt Memorial Tower, and what you had was a compelling idea a compelling idea that uh, there was an underrepresentation of black and Latinx string players. And what do we do about that? And I knew right away, this is a problem. How can I help? And uh, so I felt a real obligation because um, my, my, my most important mentor in my field was Patrick Hayes, the man who, who founded the Washington Performing Arts Society. But Patrick was also a man who helped desegregate the theaters and the lunch counters of Washington, DC. And um, uh, he was somebody that I could go to and he was always generous with his time. Now I never worked for him, but he was always available to me. And when UMS was showing some interest in me and I had never really been a professional presenter, I'd done some dilettante gigs at the Kennedy Center, you know, rent the hall, put on a show but I'd never curated a season. I had four hours worth of questions for him. And he generously gave those four hours of time. I told him at the beginning, Patrick, I would I'm gonna have a question at the end and I need an honest answer. And he told me all about the field and everything. But when it came time for the end, I said, Patrick, 
the big question is, do I have it or not for Ann Arbor? And when he said, Ken, you've got it, now go for it. Can you imagine the power of a mentor saying, you've got it, now go for it. Had the committee, had, a, had there been a phone available, I would have called the committee and said, your search is over. Patrick Hayes says, I can do it. And, and I, I did get the job. But it was that power of a mentor who had gotten to know me, who listened to me, who supported me saying, you've got it, now go for it, it changed everything. Wow. And so when, when a young a student from Michigan 25 years ago uh, came by, I'm never going to refuse a student, <laughs> Aaron. You know, faculty or others, they can wait. But if a student needs to see me, that's top priority. And it's brought so much joy in my life. Uh, the other thing about uh, being a mentor is uh, you want to be kind to everybody, kind and considerate. You want to listen. Because one of the things I said, you know, is be kind because you never know. One of these days you might be working for one of those mentors. And I think you know the case. So you became dean of the School of Music, Theater, and Dance, you know, a few years ago. And the dean controls all the buildings that the University Musical Society uses. Now, had I not been a nice guy to you, think of what you could have done uh, to me as, you know, you were kind of my, my boss uh, 20 years later. And so uh, kindness, generosity, listening, um, and, and the joy of my life right now is that mentorship. It's connecting people, is listening, and doing whatever I can to be helpful. So there's, you know, this role, and sometimes people talk about, and I often try to, to teach my students about not only identifying mentors, but advocates. Uh, and I remember in the early days of, of, uh, of, of Sphinx and of being a social entrepreneur and an arts entrepreneur, and many of our viewers may be thinking about how they build different projects. And I was having that typical frustration of trying to reach foundations and they won't pick up your call or they won't talk to you. They won't email you back. Um, and, and I had shared some of those frustrations with you and you had picked up the phone and called a major foundation and major contact there. And you said, you need to talk to this student. You need to talk to this person about their project. And to me, that was, you kind of stepped even beyond being a mentor to being an advocate. And just wondering, what would you suggest for young emerging leaders who feel like they, they haven't been able to identify that person or they haven't found someone who could really serve as an advocate? What can they do? How can they find someone? Well, I think, you know, look at, look at your teachers, uh, look at those who've, who've given you a, a bit of encouragement. I mean, it's interesting now that I'm teaching and I'll have my fourth session of, uh, of arts leadership. The first thing I do is put my name, my email address, and my cell phone number. And I said, I'm here for you uh, whenever you need me. The last thing I do in class is do the same thing. And I said, we've invested a lot of time in each other now. This is a forever thing. You know, we're connected forever. The interesting thing is not that many students take that next step, even though they've been invited to, uh, to um, be in touch. You know, that, never stop to say, oh, I think he might be too busy. This is what we live for, <laughs> those of us for whom this is our purpose. Of connecting and so you want to you want to you want to follow up when people give that kind of an invitation be in touch 
you know, something else is you got to put yourself out there a little bit. So when I came into the field, I was 42 years old. I'd had two other careers. I didn't know very many people, but I went to conferences. Okay. And when I find somebody sitting alone, I go over and, and hello, uh, my name is Ken Fisher. Often they say, oh yeah, you're the guy nobody knows from the musical society. <laughs> but what I did there was make the point of, of uh, asking them, who do you think are the best presenters in the United States? Well, we're a generous field and those folks, well, I'd say the 10 best presenters. And so they'd say, well, let me just, so I'd get a list of 10 names. Well, 10 minutes later, I was sitting with somebody else in another table asking the same question. So you can imagine after about 60 of these conversations over several conferences, I got a faculty to die for. The people that those in the field had been there for much longer than I had, had identified 16 or 17 people from whom I could learn, okay? And so that, that, then I give them a call. Now, do you think they were flattered when I said, hi, I'm Ken Fisher, I'm brand new to the field. But I talked to 60 people and a whole bunch of them said, you're one of the top presenters in the country and I'd like to learn from you. <laughs> and uh, those became my teachers, my mentors, and my best friends in the business. And all it took was, you know, uh, sitting down with a few people, having enough confidence, and, and you don't need a lot of confidence to say, hey, can I ask you a question? Yeah. And so, um, uh, reach out a little bit and, and, and ask questions and then listen. That is the critical thing is, is to listen and, yeah. and probe, ask questions. If they haven't said enough, well, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like you're capturing this huge value of networking. A lot of times people are like, oh, it's kind of just a thing you do at receptions and maybe some fundraising. But what you're describing is this way in which to kind of build a, a web of, of, of intelligence that comes into your sphere that enables you to be a better leader. Well, it's also, it's also follow-up, you know? I, uh, I had the great privilege of being with 19 of the lead fellows of Sphinx this year. And they had asked me to talk about networking. And, and among the things I said, you know, sit up front. You've got a whole lot of people on the, on, the, on the roster. You're then the first guy to go up and ask a question. You're also, you don't have to worry about, you know, looking around and, and trying to see people, but you're there. You can ask the question and always, you know, you, you want to have that business card or have your phone ready to, to forward that uh, contact information and to receive it from the individual. And, you know, in the arts, we're, we're a remarkably generous uh, group of people and we, we want to help uh, our colleagues. And so uh, don't, don't hesitate to ask, but follow up. That's, that's what I was talking about before. You invite and then you want, you want people to, uh, to be in touch. And so... Um, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, sit up front. For sure. Wear your name tag. Right. Big. Get the name you want them to call you. <laughs> uh, you know, all these things are 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 a part of uh, of networking. So, so to switch gears a little bit, you have actually just recently published a book, um, and my sense is that you know the title, although you started working on this book years ago. Who would have known or thought how relevant the title would be today? 
Uh, and so, which is entitled Everybody In, Nobody Out, Inspiring Community at Michigan's University Musical Society. And what I was just wondering is if you could speak to the title, mm -hmm. right? Why the title, where did it come from, and what do you think about its relevance today, even though that may not have been you, you couldn't have, you know, uh, you know, predicted that our society would be where we are right now when, when you initially thought of that title. Well, I mentioned Patrick Hayes before, and this again, the man who founded Washington Performing Arts, who founded International Society for Performing Arts. But Patrick uh, was a performing arts presenter under Patrick Hayes Concert Bureau in the 40s. And... Um, he, again, was instrumental in desegregating the theaters and desegregating the lunch counters. So this was a man who believed everybody in, nobody out. That was his inclusion policy for his organization. And then he later became head of a nonprofit, um, Washington Performing Arts. And how, how important it was back then in a still quite segregated Washington, D.C., to have as his first board chair, Todd Duncan, the first porgy in Porgy and Bess, and a distinguished professor of voice at Howard University. And can you imagine the statement that that made in Washington, D.C., when you had the Irish guy and, and the first Porgy and Porgy and Bess representing the future of the arts in Washington, D.C.? What a statement that made. And so when you grow up influenced by Patrick Hayes and this inclusion policy, and you see how he embraced everyone, how he was generous with all the arts organizations in town. He was the first to present so many of them at the Kennedy Center. Can you imagine what that meant to be presented at the Kennedy Center by the same people that are presenting the Berlin Philharmonic and, and, uh, and, and Perlman and Yo-Yo Ma, to have your little group presented by Patrick Hayes? That's what he did with a small grant. He wrapped his arms around all of Washington. And so um, when I arrived in Ann Arbor and found ourselves in literally an ivory tower, Burton Memorial Tower, uh, I said, you know, we've got to get out of this tower. We've got to engage with the communities of Southeast Michigan, the communities of shared heritage, the educational communities, the nonprofit community, the business community. And that meant get out of the tower. And back in 1982, there was a, a, a book written um, uh, on, uh, um, you know, it was In Search of Excellence. Tom Peters and Robert Waterman. And a key principle in there was management by walking around. Management by walking around. And if that wasn't the, can get out of the tower and into these communities. And that's the other thing, just walking around, you're building relationships with barbershops, with restaurants, with the banks. That's what we needed to do at UMS. But as you're building relationships with, with the communities of shared heritage, our Arab community, African community, uh, the Mexican-American community uh, and the Asian community, you're picking up so much information about the richness of the diversity of these cultures. And you know what? We weren't representing them very well on our stages, nor in our audience. So reaching out like that, and by the way, we don't use the word outreach at University Musical Society, because that, that implies one way. It's engagement, engaging with communities. I'll also say that um, we practice four principles of partnership. As you're beginning to develop these relationships, these four principles, and they're not original with me, Sharon King uh, read about them, communication and cooperation, those are key. Everybody knows that, but vulnerability and reciprocity are the really key ones. And vulnerability means humility. It means listening. 
it means going into a relationship where you don't know everything, but you're eager to learn. So vulnerability is really that humility, eagerness to learn. And then reciprocity means if you're gonna be building a relationship, make sure that your partners are, uh, are doing as well or better than you are in that, in that relationship. It, it, it avoids exploitive relationships, which have too often been a situation uh, in the arts. And so these four principles of partnership has really been key to what we've, we've been able to do. Wow, it's just extraordinary. And unfortunately, we are just about out of time. <laughs> but one last quick question that I just wanted to answer. You know, you've been able to have this extraordinary perspective uh, across your career in both the leadership positions you've had now teaching, but also in board roles. As you think about kind of our viewers of the show, whether they're our administrators or direct practitioners in kind of these challenging times, is there any kind of kernel you would want to leave people with of, you know, keep this in mind when the challenges may seem too great? Well, um, a mantra that I also picked up uh, and has, has been uh, so useful over the years is where there's crisis, there's opportunity. And when I look at how our field has responded, whether it's the, the Sphinx laureates or it's it's Steve Wagaman and what he's doing with chamber music, or Joe Hodge up at, up at the Guthrie, uh, or even the, the University Musical Society, whose leader is gonna be uh, in a worldwide conversation uh, today. I'm just so imp oh, the King Singers, who sang with 732 you know, stay-at-home <laughs> singers. People have found a way, especially in our creative industry, to, uh, to reinvent. And um, you know, who knows what the future is gonna be, but I think that that notion of, of, of use that imagination and that creativity and then persist. And, if and I'm looking at you right now and, and that's what I loved about you. You know, these foundations didn't call right away at the beginning, you know, but we kept at it, we kept at it. Then, you know, you get a MacArthur, then you get a Michiganian of the year, then People Magazine calls you here, then they start paying attention I mean, they should have paid attention because it's a great idea, but then we persisted. That's the other thing, you know, just stick with it, stick with it. Uh, use that imagination, stick with it. Listen, be curious, learn from others, just like I did coming into the field. I didn't know anything, but who did I learn from? The best in the field. Ken Fisher, you truly are one of the great arts engines who are powering human creativity in our field. Thank you so much for being on the show. What a pleasure, Aaron. So good to see you again. Thank you.